0: Good evening and welcome to our evening gathering here at Fourth Baptist Church. It's good to welcome you and to greet you. I see some others still in the foyer that may be slipping through the doors and joining us. It's good to be back with you this evening. I was away this morning. I was at First Baptist Church in Baxter, Minnesota, preaching for the installation service of Pastor Lee Peterson, who is following Pastor Dave Grotzky after 33 years of pastoral ministry there. Lee Peterson is becoming the pastor. You might recognize that name, Lee Peterson. Him and his wife, Janelle, their family were part of our missions conference a few years back as they were missionaries to South Africa, but they've now returned home from South Africa to their home and sending church, First Baptist Church in Baxter. And Lee was my roommate in Bible college. And so he requested that I be part of that special installation service, which they claim only happens once every 33 years and so they prevailed upon me to to be there. Thank you for your understanding uh, in my absence. It was a sweet time, uh, but it's good to be back. Good to be back home. We have a special service planned this evening. You see the, the arrangement on the platform. The baptistry is open. Um, you will witness, you will hear the testimony and witness the baptism of Chris Hubert, who was away just a few weeks ago when we had our membership service, and so we're just, cleaning up some loose ends and including her here this evening I know you'll be blessed by that and we can welcome her into our membership and then also Dr. Jeff Brown or we might know him as missionary Jeff Brown to to Germany now retired uh, is here with us this evening of course Fourth Baptist supported the Browns for years and years and years they are now retired and stateside he is here this week teaching a module class at Central Seminary And he reached out to me the end of this past week and said, hey, could you give me just a couple minutes to greet the folks and to update them about the the fruit that remains in Germany? And I said, well, no. I said, I won't give you a few minutes to greet the folks. Why don't you take the entire service and not just report to us, but also to preach and I will be grateful to to sit under his teaching and preaching as well. And uh, we have a long relationship with the Browns and so we're so glad that they're here. So um, we're we're glad that you're here. Just a few brief announcements before I begin our service with prayer. Um, Tomorrow uh, is the memorial service for Barb Gilbert. 10 o'clock visiting, 11 o'clock service, lunch to follow. And so you might consider attending that if you're able. Uh, Be praying for the family. And then also we need you to sign up there in the kiosk in the foyer for our annual Thanksgiving service next Sunday evening. And you need to sign up because you need to bring pie or milk or whipped topping or something that would go with that uh, so that we have sufficient refreshments after our praise and thanksgiving service next Sunday night and you can participate in that. Let me pray and then we'll join together in in singing. God in heaven, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to assemble again this evening. Lord, it's with anticipation that we we come to, to witness the testimony and the baptism of Chris. Lord, it's with anticipation that we look forward to hearing from your choice servant, Jeff Brown. We thank you for bringing him to us again. Would I pray that you would just go before us now in this hour, we commit it to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Greetings,
1: love. You know how sometimes you start talking but it's very apparent your brain has turned off? I had one of those moments this morning at the conclusion of our service, referring to our, our potential member here, Chris Hubert, as a he. I know that Chris is a girl, but my brain had turned off. So this is a great demonstration of grace, where she is still willing to be a part of us despite my foolishness. And also thank you to the 97 of you who texted me to tell me of my error. I was very grateful of that. We can rejoice tonight in the the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is truly an amazing love and an amazing grace to think that God pursued us and Christ died for us. Let's stand together and sing these truths. Number two oh one. Two oh three. Excuse me. Number two oh three. fear condemnation no Amen. hope is fixed completely on the solid rock Jesus Christ number 404 together
0: blessed this evening to hear the salvation testimony of Chris Hubert and to witness her baptism and then to welcome her into our church membership. Chris, if you'll come and if you'll stand there at the microphone and tell us how and when Jesus saved you.
2: Hello, my name is Chris Hubert. I was born into a Christian family who went to church on Sundays We learned about Jesus and God in Sunday school and confirmation. When I married and had children, our family followed the same path. We attended church. My children went to Sunday school and confirmation. I sang in the choir, joined women's Bible studies, and volunteered for many church activities. The word nice was a very important word growing up in a Scandinavian family in the 50s and 60s. I tried to live my life as a nice person. I never had any major problems, and I really didn't ever commit any big sins. And I had a pretty easy life. So when someone would talk about being saved, I would feel a little confused and sometimes somewhat uncomfortable. I would listen to their stories of one profound moment My story, however, is a little bit different. Seven years ago, I experienced a life-changing event. My world turned upside down and I was faced with fear, self-doubt, anger, and worry. Over and over, my mind would play a loop of questions. What do I do now? What do I do next? So I turned to prayer. I prayed to God to take care of me, to lead me where he wanted me to be. I prayed for his will to be done in my life. I confessed that I too was a sinner, and I thanked God for his gift of grace and forgiveness. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. That's Ephesians 2, verse 8. So my profound moment really started in 2016 and I still feel it today. When those questions sometimes arise again and play around in my mind, my fear changes to peace, my anger to forgiveness, and my worry to calm. I trust in God's word and know my sins are forgiven. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life," John 3.16. I want to follow God's word, and I choose to be baptized today as it is written in the Bible. I know Jesus is my only Savior, I know he gave his life for my sins, I know God gives me grace every day, and I know that my eternal home will be in heaven. I look forward to becoming a member of Fourth Baptist Church.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chris. You'll come here into the waters of baptism as she's coming. We understand that baptism doesn't save. It doesn't help save, but rather it pictures the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as Chris has put her faith and trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, she pictures that it is my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise. Thank you. Thank you. We praise the Lord for Chris. She has completed our our church membership class. She has met with our deacons as they have interviewed her regarding her salvation and her agreement with our church's positions and it's upon the recommendation of our pastors and deacons that we bring her to you as a prospective member. I would entertain a motion and support that we receive her into our membership. Al Hawkins moves and Gary Whiteford supports that. Are there questions or comments? Then hearing none, all in favor of welcoming Chris Huber as our newest member, will you signify by saying aye? Aye. Anyone opposed, say aye. And carried. Thank you for that. Please take the opportunity after our service this evening to to greet her and welcome her to Fourth Baptist. Thank
1: you. Pastor Dan. One last hymn to sing together before Dr. Brown ministers to us. One of my favorite hymn texts set to music. Uh, you may have received it as a handout when you came in. Otherwise, the text is on the screen. A hymn we've been learning, Here is Love. Let's stand together and sing this beautiful text together. Here is love, vast as the ocean loving. will join us. Let me all your love accept
3: evening. I'm delighted to be here, delighted for the opportunity to see you again and uh, to share the Word of God with you this evening. We uh, still have ministry, Linda and I, that uh, we are doing. And we were in Germany last uh, May and June, and uh, we'll be going again in um, the next uh, summer. Um, so let me take you on a little trip, that, uh, or, or take you with me on our trip briefly and um, let you know what happened, let how, you know how things are there. I start with a picture of the home group that we're a part of in our church in uh, Greenville, South Carolina, Cornerstone Baptist Church. And uh, they were very supportive as uh, we went away. God always connects you with certain people at certain times, and that was our connection as uh, we went away. And I'm going to try to make this thing work. And it didn't work this time. I have it turned on. Push it down. That's, just, that's very counterintuitive. Okay, here we go. Well, sure enough. And uh, when we came to Germany, one of the first people that we were with was a couple who was wanting to start another church in a city called Karlsruhe. It's north of Würzburg, which is in South Germany. And um, he was a part of our church, as a matter of fact, for 18 months. He was an assistant pastor, Christian, and uh, his wife, Annalena. They're both graduates of the Bible school that we started. She was my very best Greek Student. Um, And the um, first ministry, significant ministry that we had there was to present a seminar on the subject of the kingdom of God from creation to eternity. I do that also here in the United States. And um, so we presented that. Uh, in a church that we had known for a number of years. After going, we stopped to see um, a lady who was a member of our church, uh, but for the last, oh, five, six years that we were there in Nuremberg, Germany, why she was in um, a senior citizen's home. She could not make it to any of the services. She was quite a lady of prayer. 96 years old, as we visited her there, we're just so thankful that we could spend that one hour with her. She went to be with the Lord a month later. On the right, you see a couple that we have known for many, many years, from the very beginning that we were in Jerusalem, Christian and Uta. He's a doctor. He looks like he needs one, doesn't he? Um, But the reason I was in his house was to uh, complete work, on a book that I wrote again the subject the Kingdom of God it's obviously an interest or an important topic for me and uh, so it is written in German now it's all finished I'm just looking for a publisher if the Lord lays that on somebody's heart uh, Lord please get Jeff a publisher in Germany um, I'd appreciate it and that's all that uh, it's waiting for and uh, I would offer to give you a copy But uh, it's all in German. Lord changes lives. I just want to say briefly, uh, God did a miracle in the life of this couple. You see them as a happy couple, happy parents, happy grandparents. Uh, God did a miracle. I'll just leave it there. That's part of the ministry. That's what you're doing. The man who came in my place in the church in Germany, in Nuremberg, uh, was Volker Weise, um, who also taught school in Chisago Lakes after he finished uh, his uh, college and seminary, and uh, he is a German man, uh, and he was well prepared, and uh, he took over. before we left. Matter of fact, a year before we left, he was voted in as assistant pastor and he became the head pastor then at the time that Linda and I left. The church in Nuremberg then had a retreat and I was the speaker for the retreat. The topic was uh, was themes from the book of Hebrews. I enjoyed it. They enjoyed it. It was a delight to be together with them ministering God's word to people that we know so well and love so much. And um, in that church, two very special ladies on the upper right is Deacon and his wife. And um, when we left, within a couple of months after we left, she contracted cancer. Um, And uh, she went through the treatment. She went through an operation. At the time that she got cancer... Um, after she heard that she was reading in Isaiah chapter 41 and of course verse 13 really stuck out to her God telling and I I can't say it from memory God telling I will be with you I will take care of you Isaiah 40 and verse 13 and they told us their story they said when they went into um, to be uh, to the hospital first for an examination Uh, the room that they went into was room 13 and the day on which they had their examination was the 13th of the month and every examination after strangely was on the 13th of the month and then when she went into the operating room it was the number 13 operating room And every room that she was in during this time of patient care was number 13. Every appointment she had was on the 13th of the month. And so she prayed to the Lord. And she said, Lord, I am not superstitious. I don't understand why this is happening. I think you must be doing something. And the Lord brought to her attention, again, as she was reading his word, Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 13. Not only did he give her that promise as she went into surgery and uh, was taken care of, he told her again and again and again and again. 13, Isaiah 41:13, I'm taking care of you. She's now cancer free. Lady in the picture on the left, the, the third lady with her husband together also contracted cancer. As we left, just after we left, and it was a cancer that could not be cured, only there was a new therapy. And so she was one of the guinea pigs and they tried it on her. Long story short, God's people prayed She is cancer-free today. Her husband was a real friend. They were both real friends to us. One of my great disappointments was when I left Germany, um, I led this man to Christ, and eight years later, or seven years later, we left Germany, and he still hadn't gotten baptized. Two of the men that I discipled, one a former muslim young man now married and his friend in the lower left god has done marvelous things through this man who came to christ out of the muslim faith Uh, he not only is saved and active he is reaching others for christ and discipling them the man on the left was his best friend in school and uh, in his uh, technical college and um, then and I baptized them both, um, and I led the man on the left, Christ. Just as we left, he wanted nothing more to do with the church or to do with the Lord. And I got uh, a call from him about three months before we went in May, <clears throat> and he said, "Jeff, I want to come back to the Lord. I want to come back to the church." Uh, I have done the wrong thing and uh, I've paid a price. I want to be back with the Lord's people. What do I do? So we talked for a while. And in fact, he is back in the church and he is back with the Lord. One of the things we did in Germany, we not only did we start two churches, we also started a Bible school. Initially, we had two teachers brudette bergen my co-worker with baptism admissions and myself and we had 12 students today there are five teachers all of whom have at least a master's degree and there are every semester between 80 and 100 students the lord has blessed it in ways that i never uh, knew would happen it is to train people for ministry in the churches and to train Future pastors and future missionaries. The men on the right, upper right, and the left are two brothers, and they are going into the ministry. As a matter of fact, I think it's this weekend that the church in Nuremberg votes on the one in the upper right as assistant pastor. And then, one of the later things that we did in this time in Germany was to uh, be with the first church that we started, the church in Erlangen. And uh, I told Linda when we were finished being at the retreat in Nuremberg, this is, uh, Linda, this was the highlight of our time here. It will not get better than this because these were the people that we said goodbye to the last time. And um, I was wrong. We have a marvelous time with people at church in Erlangen. We finished our work there in 2006. But we are still connected, and it was just a great blessing to be there. And if you see them maybe laughing, looking at each other and laughing, it's because they egged me on to tell stories. And when you get to my age, you have lots of stories. The church is doing wonderfully, by the way. It's packed out. Their church building will hold 170, and they have closer to 200 every Sunday Sunday. Uh, for their services. <clears throat> so uh, God is much at work. The church in Nuremberg, the very same thing. Uh, they are close to packed out. We um, had a chance then to speak with a man who built the building for the church, 92 years old, and we were pretty sure this is the last time we will get to see them. He and I prayed together, and I thought I would do the praying. He said, No, Jeff, I want to pray this time. And he thanked the Lord for sending Jeff and Linda to Germany and to Erlangen to preach the gospel and start a church. Six of us together, um, and uh, we parted company here on that Sunday. We had dinner together. Uh, These two couples, and Linda and I, were the first ones to organize services for the church in Erlangen, that was 1991, all right? Right after the Civil War, okay, for you who are younger. And, you know, we prayed for the right people to come and start the church, and God answered that prayer. These two families became pillars of the church. They are still there as a part of things. As we left, um, We had dinner with a couple and the man we had prayed for for many, many years for a good Christian wife. He was a part of the founding of our church in Nuremberg and then God moved him to Frankfurt and uh, where he he got a job as an engineer. Um, These two uh, got engaged a short time after we left and so we're going back next summer to conduct the wedding. Uh, God answers prayers and uh, those are all a part of what mission work is about. So I have one more picture for you. The young man on the upper right is 16 years old, stands six foot six, he has missed his calling, he does not play basketball. I say that with aching heart. He plays volleyball instead. I guess that's second best. <clears throat> and he's a very good athlete. But something more important to him than his sports, which I talked with him about on one particular day, and he said, um, You know, there's something more important to me than my sports, and that is my life with the Lord Jesus. He, as a 16 year old, gets up at 5 30 every morning, reads his Bible for an hour a day. We're praying for this young man, for what the the Lord will do in his life in the future. Then the man on the left is Sebastian, the fellow I led to Christ almost 10 years ago. And I was so disappointed when we left Germany and he was not yet baptized. He got baptized in August. Things don't always work out like you hoped, but don't ever give up hope. Thank you so much for all your prayers for us through all the years, decades, really, and even now. All right, we may turn that off, and I'm finished with this presentation. If somebody has a question, I've got two minutes, and then I'm going to launch into the Word of God. No one? That's just, oh, okay, here we are. Mm -hmm. Since that time, there have been a lot of independent churches that have been started, some independent Baptists, a lot of them um, what we would call a Bible church. Um, A lot of uh, independent churches have started up. They're not big, they're small. Um, But that has happened in that time. There's been much more church planting in Germany, for which we're very, very thankful uh, Germany is about 1% to 2% born-again people. That's it. It's, it's not more than that. And um, hard, dark, resistant, yes. Uh, I love them, <laughs> and I love being there. Uh, but spiritually, that's a good description. There are some mission agencies that say uh, Germany is already mm, almost fully evangelized, and so you need to go to other places instead of a place like Germany. Um, I would say to you, Germany needs more missionaries. We're very thankful that you are supporting uh, Luke and Bethany Snell. We're just, we're just really happy about that. And uh, they continue, not our work, but another work in Germany. And uh, that's, that's so good. We were with them, by the way. I didn't put that in any of our pictures, but we were with them. They are doing an excellent work. I'll give that report. And thanks for that question. I'd like to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12. And tonight I'm not going to talk about missions in my sermon. I want to talk about what happens to Christians after they die. Daniel chapter 12, I, um, I have friends, I have relatives, who when they read a book, particularly if it's not a uh, history book or something like that, they will skip, they'll read first two, three chapters, and then they'll skip to the end to uh, find out what happened. And I've always thought, that's just no way to read a book, because you take away all the excitement. Well... Tonight, I'm starting at the very end of the book of Daniel, chapter 12. And as a matter of fact, the outline of my message comes from the very last verse of the very last chapter of Daniel. But I want to read to you, um, beginning at verse 9, God used Daniel to tell what was going to happen to his people, Israel, after they were taken captive, and then would go back. Taken captive, and finally, in 586 B.C. Hope I have these, my dates, right? And if I don't, you ask Roy Beecham. He really has these down. And then they went back in five. 37 B.C. And the end of this book comes after that time that they had gone back and all this story is told about what's going to happen to Israel, what's going to happen to the nations in the future until God brings his kingdom. But then on the very last, God speaks to Daniel about what is going to happen to him. And that's what I want us to pay attention to tonight. In verse 9 it says, and he said, this is God, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end. That means like a king would seal up a book. I'm going to seal it so that nobody can change it. All right? So that when it got opened, everyone would know. This is exactly what the king wanted to say. And that's what God is doing here. That's what he means. Many shall be purified, made white and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. And from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away, we're looking way on into the future, and the abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. He's talking about the last half of the tribulation which is 1,260 days, you find all the way through the book of Revelation, but then there are 30 more added here. It says, blessed is he who waits and comes to the 1,335 days, so total of 75 days added on to this. Now here's the important thing, here's where I get my outline. But you go your way till the end, Daniel, you're going to die, For you shall rest, that's number one, point one. What happens to believers after they die? Number one, rest. And will arise to your inheritance at the end of the days. Number two, resurrection. This is what happened, was what God said, Daniel, this is going to happen to you, and then by extension, any believer from the Old Testament time. But the interesting thing is, This truth has not changed from Daniel's day until our day. When a believer dies, there are two things that they have to look forward to beyond death. One is rest. And I don't have time here, but rest, he did not mean Daniel You're going to give us 2,500 years of Rip Van Winkle. You haven't read Rip Van Winkle, okay. You're going to be active, you're going to be thinking you are going to be doing, but it will be called rest. Blessed are they that die in the Lord from henceforth. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. People don't go in soul sleep when they die, but they do have rest. If someone you love has passed away, and they knew the Lord, you can be sure of this, they have rest now. Conflict is over. Sorrows are over. They have rest And for the rest of my time, I want to be talking about the second part, okay? So now I'm breaking all the rules. Not only do I start at the very end of the book, okay? I start in the middle of the sermon, all right? We don't have time to do the first part of the sermon. By the way, if you want to hear the first half of this sermon, uh, I preached at, at Grace Baptist Church in Owatonna two months ago. They put it on sermon audio, and you can hear it there. I hope this is being recorded there's a reason why i hope it's being recorded i don't know okay i'll find out when we're all done it's being recorded that's good all right and the reason i'm happy it's being recorded is not because i like to hear my voice um i often think when people have asked me do you ever listen to your sermons that you have preached i say no and they ask me well you know they're thinking about how to improve all right and they ask me and i say no I believed it all before I got up there and preached it. I don't need to be convinced anymore now. So I want to come to this point. We will be resurrected. God says to Daniel, You go your way to the end, you shall rest and arise to your inheritance at the end of the days. What days? 1,335 days. That's what God says to Daniel. It's different for us, but for him, it was the end of these 1,335 days, and it says he will stand. See that? And will arise to your inheritance at the end of the days. So in the first place, he's resting, but now he has arisen. We're talking about a physical resurrection. What is involved in that? Well, let me talk about the first thing that we would even want to mention when we talk about resurrection, beyond the resurrection of Jesus Christ himself. Number one, the Church of Christ will experience resurrection at the rapture. So, now I want you to look with me at the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4. We We're looking at that today also, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Pastor Jeremy um, addressing us very well from that portion. But this is the second part of chapter 4. Most of you are very familiar, but I will read it. Paul says, verse 13, chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, that's they've died, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. So he's not saying sorrow is wrong, he's saying sorrow without hope is wrong. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. (coughs) Excuse me. And thus shall we always be with the Lord. Therefore, <coughs> comfort one another with these words. We know from Second Corinthians chapter 5, and we know from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 22 and 23, <coughs> that the souls of those who have died, They're already in heaven. Their bodies will rise from the grave at the time of the rapture. Those who are alive when Christ returns will rise also. They will not experience death. And they will receive in that moment their resurrection body. Most times that I visit a cemetery, I look around and I think there will be graves that will be opened here. And people will ask, who remain behind, what went on? The graves of people we have known will be opened. If they know Jesus, they will rise in perfect bodies. The apostles, John Bunyan, William Carey, Charles Haddon Spurgeon and William Tyndale and those like him whose bodies had been cruelly burned to ashes by their enemies. And somehow God is going to gather up what's left of those ashes and create new bodies, perfect bodies. When I was in the seventh grade, I was, a, I was a new Christian. I was probably not more than, oh, 14, 16, 18 months old in the Lord. A lady in our church invited a bunch of the young people to go to a uh, conference. And the man was going to speak on the return of Christ. He was actually talking about the rapture. But I was so young in the Lord, I didn't even know what that word meant. I knew that Jesus was coming back, but that was one that hadn't registered yet. And he spoke. He was talking about different things. I found it very interesting, very helpful. I was young in the faith. And he said, and you'll say to me, but what about someone who has gone overboard, and they drowned, and they were swallowed by a whale. How in the world is Christ going to raise them from the dead? And I sat on the edge of my seat, and I thought, this is what I've been wanting to know. And he answered, I don't know. But I do know that God will do it. That is the answer. And I've been satisfied about that one since that day. God is a mighty God. And he will raise those who have died and they will have new resurrection bodies. And for believers, there will be a great reunion. I don't know what that will be like. I could imagine in that reunion, we will interact with others that we have known and we're so happy to see them and we will get to know people of the family you ever been to a big family reunion your first time at that family reunion and you get introduced to this person and that person and if it's good family they're happy to have you and they're accepting and this is quite an event you try to remember the names But I can just imagine it's probably going to be a lineup for somebody like Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And then we'll start saying to one another, Excuse me, you can take my place in line. I want to go see Jesus. And that's what we'll all do. Because he is the big attraction, and he is the one that we will want to see, and he is the reason that there is a resurrection, Jesus Christ. I want to add to all of this, our resurrection body will be perfect. I don't have time to read it. First Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 to 58, it's sown in corruption, it's raised in incorruption. Death is a destroyer. And sometimes when a loved one dies, we can think, what was it all for anyway? Happens to Christians as well. It just all ends. And we begin to think, what's the purpose? And Paul says, no, we will rise from the dead. Everything you've ever done for Christ counts. It will all be rewarded. At the very end of this passage, Paul says, Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It all counts. The Lord will remember every single thing we do for the Lord. The works of the unsaved as impressive as they are and powerful as they are. The Bible tells us in 2nd Peter will vanish. They'll be gone. We're intimidated sometimes we should not be. It will all vanish. Their works will be burned up, but beloved, not ours. Our very bodies will be made perfect. So keep on following Christ. That's what Paul tells us. Keep on serving Christ. It is worth every effort. There was a young man in this church when it was on Fremont Avenue who would sing at times solos and one that he sang has forever stayed in my memory. It pays to serve Jesus. It pays every day. It pays every step of the way. Though the way up to glory may sometimes be drear, you'll be happy each step of the way. I want to add one more thing. We will receive an inheritance. Daniel is promised an inheritance in, verse, uh, in the last verse of chapter 12. An inheritance by Lot. He understood that. We find that not only did Israel receive their inheritance by Lot in the days of Joshua, one day in the thousand-year reign of Christ, the tribes of Israel will receive their inheritance by lot, believing Israelites. But the Bible says that Christians are also promised an inheritance. And the verse that God gave to Linda and me as we prepared for going to Germany in 1986 was this, Acts chapter 26. God said to Paul, My ministry to you is to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they might receive the forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by me, made holy by me. An inheritance. If you know Jesus, you have an inheritance coming. We read in John chapter 1 and verse, excuse me, John 14 verses 1 to 3 that um, it says in the King James Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. In my Father's house are many mansions. Here at Fourth Baptist, when I was in the youth, we would sing, I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where we never grow old, many of you who... Well, I don't know at what stage in life, but you learned that too when you were younger. If you look in the New King James, which I'm using tonight, it has a footnote by Mansions. And it says down below in the footnote, Dwellings, which is actually a very good translation. And in the ESV, which I know you use quite a bit, it says Rooms. And you know, My wife Linda and I have had quite a debate about this because I read my Greek Bible, I know what the Greek says, and she doesn't like what I have to say. I have quite a debate going on. As a matter of fact, whenever this comes up, even if I'm not bringing it up, I notice her reaction, and she is going through the grief process. And you know, there are various stages of the grief process, and one of the stages is anger, And she has not gotten out of the anger stage yet. Now, I've never been excited about somebody saying the word is is room. God's going to give you room. I think that doesn't describe it quite right. I don't know. Maybe it is a room. We need to understand what heaven is like. It's huge. It's glorious. Near where we live is the Biltmore Mansion, built uh, right around 1900. It has over 180 rooms in it. If you visited there, the time it was made, it was top of the line, it was cutting edge in everything. You might have been a child family in the Vanderbilt family. If You had a room there, it was a very nice room, and you had the run of the place. Biltmore Mansion is nothing compared to the New Jerusalem, nothing. If it's a room or if it's a mansion or something in between, you have the run of the place. Heaven will be yours and heaven will be mine. By the way, my wife and I came to a truce on this whole thing. She's going to get a mansion. I'm going to get a room. <laughs> and so I've told her, honey, when we get there, I'm going to be over to your place a lot. <laughs> I'm about halfway through my message, and I'm going to have to close. Isn't it wonderful? I mean, when we talk about heaven, heaven is is fabulous. It's wonderful. You read about it in the Word of God. Heaven is wonderful. We haven't touched on it hardly at all tonight, heaven. But if we go beyond heaven and talk about the resurrection and what comes after the resurrection, it just gets better. That's what God says to you and to me. That's why Jesus would say, don't let your hearts be troubled. That's why Paul would encourage be always abounding in the work of the Lord. As I graduated from Central Seminary with my Master of Divinity that year, then I went to Germany that summer for nine weeks and was with another Central graduate named Russ Frederick. And when I came back, Landed at Kennedy in New York. From Kennedy, I flew to Philadelphia, Philadelphia to Pittsburgh. And on that flight from Philadelphia to Pittsburgh, I rode next to a man who was a businessman. You, you got to think, I'm kind of intimidated. This guy is about 50 years old. And he's been very successful businessman. He could say a lot. But is also gracious. And he wanted to talk to me, finding out that I was a seminary graduate coming back from Germany for the summer. He talked about his past, his faith, he wanted to know more from me, what I had to say about different things, and then he began to say, my wife left me a number of years ago. He said, I I started into a Bible study with other in my Roman Catholic Church, and I was active. And then she died. And he said, I can't really believe anymore. And I answered him with this verse. The Bible says that Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live and whosoever lives and believe in me shall never die and he looked at me and then he began to say even more about how he couldn't believe and why he couldn't believe And he said you know that's good for you you've learned theology and you're a young man you haven't experienced what i've been through i just can't believe these things anymore what was i to say 24 years old, not experienced a whole lot of the world. And I just said again, Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, although he were dead, yet shall he live, and whosoever lives and believe in me shall never die. He looked away. And then he said to me, that all sounds so good, but I just can't believe it anymore. I thought, what am I gonna say? And God said, tell him again. I wasn't very smart, but he didn't know that verse. I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he didn't have any more to say. He just looked into the distance for the longest time. And then we had a pleasant conversation for the rest of the trip. We landed probably 15, 20 minutes later. And as we were parting, he shook my hand. And he said, I want you to know that you have done more for my eternal salvation than you will ever know. It's this wonderful truth. It is the word of God. It is Jesus Christ. It is true. His name was Jim Fay, and I'm convinced one day I'm gonna see him in heaven. And this is what Jesus says. I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he finished with this challenge to a believing woman and I leave it with you. Do you believe this? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the future, for Christians, what's going to happen to us after we die. If we know you is wonderful, wonderful beyond description. Lord, you're so loving and none of this we deserve but your salvation is great. Thank you for Fourth Baptist Church, which means so much to me and to Linda. Thank you for their faithfulness through the years. Pour out your blessing upon them as our prayer. But most of all, we pray tonight that we would be challenged to trust you Your salvation is going to get greater as time goes on, but especially after we pass this life. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.